Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, thanks very much for joining us. Coming up on this episode, somebody who uses the sea of West Cork as her inspiration for her ceramics. We're also going to talk about what it takes to be a volunteer director on a board. But first up, back to one of our favourite guests from last year. An estimated 50,000 people living with celiac disease in Ireland. A further 400,000 who are gluten intolerant. So the demand for gluten-free products like bread and cakes is huge. And traditionally, they were always a bit manky. Uh, but one woman set out in a mission to change all of that. Niamh Scally set up the Clonakilty Gluten-Free Kitchen. She has been selling a fabulous range of bread and rolls, but she's upgraded to cakes and pastries, and she's selling them all around Cork. Recently won a Blossna Heron Award as well, and she has great plans for the future. Niamh Scally, how are you? I'm very well, Jonathan. Thank you very much. That's a lovely introduction. Well, look, isn't it the truth? Uh, to be honest with you, because I know a lot of people um, really desperately look for good uh, gluten-free stuff and it is very, very hard to find. And when we found little green packaging of Clonda Guilty in our house, it made a big difference to a couple of people's lives. Uh, how busy have you been? Um, it has been full on. I suppose it's been obviously a difficult time with everything that's going on in the world to be in business. Um but it's been exciting as well. So we actually turned three a number of weeks ago. So we're three years in business and we have been continuing to grow. So we're all across Cork and Kerry now since we last spoke and we've, we've started to edge into Limerick as well. But um, as you say, the demand just seems to be ever increasing. And I spend personally a lot of time out in the shop floors every week meeting um, customers who are telling me their life story about all the allergies that they have in their house. And it just seems to be growing and growing. Um for whatever reason I don't know why but mm. yeah so um, I suppose we've been continuing to grow our range and, and I suppose offer customers more breadth of range and choice which we would have spoken about and that's a it. year yeah, ago but I mean like traditionally I, I remember my father-in-law um, when he was celiac diagnosed when he was a, a child they used to have to send down the flour on the bus <laughs> there was such a, a lack of availability oh back in, in the 1950s and 1960s yeah. so you know we've come well, a long it's way it's, we have come a long way from that and even um, I'm 30 now even when I was a child I think the reality for those celiac customers was it was more of a pharmaceutical uh, food offering you got your, that you, was Yeah you got your bread in, in the chemist bread. Sorry? You got your bread in the chemist Yeah I know and even the packaging would have been very as I say very pharmaceutical orientated whereas I suppose when I started my brand this was a lot of feedback that we were getting from older customers saying you know it's very boring it's very bland telling us of the the stories historically where they used to have to go into the pharmacies to get their food and I suppose to them being diagnosed as a celiac back then certainly probably would have felt like a life sentence um you know people who loved their bread or their even apple tarts that now they were restricted to this diet so it has come a long way since then yeah. like even the range there's new products coming out from not only my brand but other brands all of the time and it is fantastic to see um, no, it really is. And again, and it, the one thing I think we were talking about last year when you were on was you had recently branched out to apple tarts and those apple tarts are appearing in lots of different stores now. But you, you then moved into little bunnings and the little bunnings sold very, very well and now birthday cake. So it's kind of, there's no stopping you really, is there? Yeah, well, sure. I suppose we're always listening to the customer and that's the main thing. I suppose the whole reason the brand started was, as you know, we're from a retail background and we used to have customers coming in looking for the gluten-free alternative to the bakery in the shop. And um, I think the one the one that really that I always talk about that played in my father's heartstrings was when the mother came in looking for a child for, 
for their birthday and he said oh my god how could you not have a, a have a birthday cake for the child you know it's such significance you know blowing out the candles for for a children's birthday party so that's kind of why the whole brand even began and to think that we can actually bring that now to supermarkets is a great thing you know that you're you're giving that child yeah. or whoever's birthday it is that sense of inclusivity and that they're involved and they don't and the thing different. is the cake is the quality of the cake is so good that you wouldn't even know it's gluten well, you free see, now, that was my um, question Eve, because I was going to go next is I mean like to traditional criticism not of your products but of, of gluten free yeah. products uh, crumbly uh, nonsense uh, so how have you managed to make the birthday cake like an actual birthday cake it honestly comes down to sourcing the right ingredients um, and putting in the real ingredients. Like we always use real local butter, real fresh egg, um, and it's all of those things. And I suppose we do spend a lot of time working on perfecting the recipe as well. So I suppose there, the reality for us is there, there tends to be kind of an evolution of recipes that we'll we'll try something, we take it, we taste it ourselves. If we don't like it, we go back to the drawing board and we keep on going um, until we develop something that's really fantastic. And I suppose a good example for us with that one would probably really be burger buns. Um, we would have had, we deal with a lot of hotels, particularly in, in Clarny, and they would have come to me and said, listen, we can't actually get a decent gluten-free burger bun. The feedback hasn't been great in them. Can you, can you develop something that's very real? Um, and we we worked on that recipe and it evolved until we actually have a very good product that actually won an award down in Bloss and Heron. So that'll kind of tell you the process. And in that product, it's the fresh yeast, the real yeast. Um, it's real fresh egg. And that's not always the reality Yeah. Um, in bakeries. Obviously, if you want to keep your costs down and, you know, you want to offer such a such a product for us, it's all about the fresh, the real, the good quality yeah, and, and, ingredients. Yeah, and, and, don't, and that gives a good quality product. Yeah, don't cut corners because that, that's when things will fall down. Now, you started out, yeah. uh, your family business started out in the family store, but then you yes. moved to Bandon uh, in the middle of lockdown uh, into yes. your, your gluten-free kitchen. How is that going now? No, it's good. Like, we're getting, we are getting a bit caught for space. I'll be honest, we're, we're currently... I was looking forward to expanding our, our stockist list when when the space permits. Um, but I suppose it's it's really great to see where we are being, you know, maxed out in terms of production and space. And it's great that we're we're always getting the request from the customers to say, can we please get your product? And like, for instance, Dublin, we would have had a lot of people down in the summer um, who would have been shopping in, in the shops that we already stock at saying we, we'd love to see this in Dublin. So I suppose the future is bright, it's exciting. Um, everything I've learned takes a lot longer to achieve than you would like it to achieve. But I suppose we're taking it at our own pace. Like my team is still very much growing and learning and we've only been together and developing the brand with the last three years. Um, so no, Bandon is going great. Um, it's a great location and I have a great team working with me and they're all living locally. So they're delighted well, and they're busy and they're happy. So it, that's, it, that's the main thing. brilliant every time I see it in, in the Super Valley stores that I go into and some central stores now and as well those hotels that are that are pleading for good quality products. It'll only go from strength to strength, I'm sure that. Clonakiltykitchen.ie is the website if you want to have a look at it and keep an eye out uh, for the Clonakilty gluten-free kitchen range. Neil Scally, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jonathan. Take care. Now, one of the best parts of my week last week was to be asked to host the Cork City Partnership 
annual enterprise awards. Uh, Cork City Partnership supports the development of inclusive and uh, all sorts of businesses and community development that's out there. It's a fantastic night and well done to every business that got nominated. But there was one overall winner and that was ceramic artist Bernadette Chute and she is on the line now. Bernadette, how are you? I'm great, John. I think lovely to speak with you. Uh, congratulations again. I mean, you, you did look genuinely shocked last week when you were announced as the overall winner. In fairness, Jonathan, I really just thought we were out for some dinner. I was looking forward to that. And then suddenly I was on stage and being asked to speak. So, I mean, it was it was more than amazing to be nominated. Never mind win. So tell us a little bit about your journey. You are a ceramic artist. Now, that sounds like a terrible way to make money, but you have found a way to do it. So tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. It's a bit of a shaky start. And um, I went for a big career change after uh, a life in the Merchant Marine in uh, California. And I came back and had the privilege of going to art college for a good many years, for most of my 40s. And, um, you know, I just fell in love with the material, uh, really wanted to create a life in clay. And so once I finished with um, the Crawford College of Art and Design here in Cork, I, I set my mind to it. And with the, the huge supports here in the city, it's such a great city, I, I managed to begin my journey with initially the Department of Social Protection, which helped me with a back-to-work enterprise allowance, which hooked me up with the Cork Partnership. And there began the journey of setting up the business and working on sustaining myself. And it's done very, very well. The type of ceramics that you do, you are inspired, as I said earlier, by the coastline. So how, how do you decide well, what this pot is going to look like or this mug is going to look like or whatever you're doing? No, that's a great question, Jonathan. In fairness, um, as I was saying, I, I was in the Merchant Marine and this affinity with the with the sea translated into taking a kayak out along the coast. And I mean, I get to explore places that are mostly unseen and not accessible by road. And it's really the place uh, and my observations of the place that, that begin this creative journey. I am so mesmerized by the geology, the surroundings, the colours, the creatures and, and the biodiversity out there and sadly the pollution that I, I take my impressions and my observations of the place and I take photographs, I take video, I gather up bits of clay and driftwood and whatnot and I bring that into the studio and the, the transformation begins then. So I'm merely merely a conduit from what I've observed out there into a piece of clay. I, I made the, the observation to you when I met you on stage that, you know, you seem to have the work-life balance down to a fine art. Out you go kayaking, <laughs> perusing along the coast and, and taking inspiration from what's around you. Yes, yes. And, you know, it not it what life is for to aspire? I aspire to do what I love. I think it's hugely important. And I must say, it's hard work. We were kayaking there on Sunday and we went from Bullens Bay towards Sandy Cove. And, you know, you do get a good kick in. So you earn the privilege uh, of going out into um, Irish Southwest Atlantic weather, even if it is near coastal uh, and it's just magnificent to take yeah. a hobby and bring it into a studio and have the ability and the supports to turn it into something tangible um, that somebody else wants. It's a massive privilege. And how do you monetize it then? How does that work? How like, I'm presuming you're selling your pieces. Yes, it's tricky. You know, it's it's um, there's no real agenda for finding your path with it. But how I monetize it, I, I do, um, you know, the multiplier effect of my... Uh, 
many years in education and time. It is a very time intense um, practice, and each piece take, can take up to uh, 24 hours in the kiln. So all of that has set costs that need to be taken taken into account. Uh, the journey then to market is quite varied, I'll be honest with you. You, you sign yourself up with various craft collectives um, and into retail. I began there initially and now I'm growing towards exhibitions and art centres, which really puts you in front of um, a different clientele and a different market and therefore a higher price point. So that's where I aim now off to an exhibition um, with the Cork Potter Society in Dublin next week and then into Solstice Arts Centre in November and all of this puts you in front of clients and then they begin to call, the phone rings and you get yourself into a postage scheme and you distribute the work as required. Okay. So yeah and I do have a few um, like corporate clients who ask for work because the work is of Cork and about Cork it has an appeal uh, as a souvenir in nature so I market into that as well Oh no it, it, and, and they're really nice pieces as well for looking at your website um, how did Cork City okay. Partnership help you get uh, to the point at which you, you are now successfully trading? Well they were they were invaluable in fairness it was really uh, you know you need structure to this and when you're a creative uh, business and creativity it can be a difficult mix so they were very instrumental in um, helping me draw up a business plan poke huge holes in the business plan and make me come back with another attempt at how this was going to be a sustainable endeavour. So that was really um, eye-opening in terms of knowing the routes to market and the simple economics of, of uh, covering all the bases. And then from there, they linked me up with uh, the local enterprise office and then there was some social media training. And into different schemes then in terms of practical applications for setting up the studio and the physicality of, you know, making tables and benches. All of that was um, encouraged even through simple things like manual handling courses. Mm. So they channeled me through all of this and it, it was just really instrumental in, in being able to chat with you today. Well, it's absolutely fantastic. How can people go about finding your work, Bernadette? What's the best way to, to look at the, the pieces that you have up and how you might be able to get access to them? Um, to go to my website, uh, BernadetteTute.com, and that's BernadetteTute.com, and there is a gallery website on there, and I'm and you can give me a call and we can we can go from there if there's a piece that you like. Fantastic. Um, we and can, can, well, congratulations yeah. again on your winning of the CCP Enterprise Award for 2023. Bernadette Chute, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Lovely to speak with you, Jonathan. Thank you so much. A lot of stories in the news recently, including what happened at RTE, have highlighted the importance of good governance within businesses and organisations. The Community Enterprise Association Ireland has now launched a guidance book uh, for good governance across the National Hub Network, which includes a number of centres in Cork. The CEO of the Community Enterprise Association Ireland is Siobhan Finn. Siobhan, how are you? Jonathan, good. Great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. I mean, the RTE thing just blew it all up, really, uh, and everybody was watching agog. But, uh, you know, sometimes companies take their eye off governance and it can come back to bite them. It sure can. And I suppose, Jonathan, you know, in a sector that is predominantly represented by CLGs and some charities as well, charities have their own 
regulator um, in place, but where you're looking at CLGs, they really are dependent upon understanding what good corporate governance looks like. And when you've got multiple volunteers um, involved in running different enterprise centres and hubs right around the country, it's really important they have clarity on what best practice looks like. So best practice can look different in different organisations, but there are a couple of core basics you have to get right, aren't there? There absolutely are, Jonathan, and our intention in putting together this handbook, which we did in partnership with the team in Connected Hubs, who who manage uh, the National Hub Network project, was to set out what the essentials are. And and I suppose really it's almost like a um, a dummy's guide to to you know what what good governance uh, should look like when you've got a whole group of volunteers involved. And where the responsibilities lie from the board members to the staff um, to to the key stakeholders really um, involved in the sector. I remember being told uh, by the treasurer of a charity board that I'm on of all the co- all the crimes that uh, directors can be convicted of. It kind of it focused my <laughs> mind ever so slightly because if you are a volunteer director on a board, you, you do have a lot of serious fiduciary responsibilities. You absolutely do. There is a, you know, there's a strong duty of care that's required of directors. And it's, you know, it's it's not always the case that volunteer directors understand exactly what is required of them and where that duty of care lies, both to the organization they're acting as director for, uh, to the staff employed by the organization and to the volunteers who who work um who work for that organisation in a voluntary capacity as well. I suppose we're fortunate in that we do have the charities regulator, um, but the charities regulator just looks at a specific cohort of organisations which are registered charities. And mm-hmm. um, now they they absolutely set out, you know, what best in practice governance looks like, and that can be drawn upon as a reference for the CLGs, the which are companies limited by guarantee um, and, and are in non-profits. And that's where you tend to get a lot of volunteers working. Um, and, and supporting these kinds of initiatives. What kind of topics are covered in your guidebook? So we cover um, we cover what a, basically how to go about registering your CLG to begin with, um, and actually in advance of that, how to choose the right type of legal structure um, in order to set up your enterprise centre hub. The majority of enterprise centres tend to be CLGs, and community hubs also tend to be CLGs either in their own right are run by perhaps the local community council or another community group within that town or village. There's always going to be different experience in these organisations as well. And there are people that will have experience from other organisations. How valuable are they in bringing their colleagues with them? Absolutely critical to have on the board. And what we would recommend um, when pulling together a board is you look at the skill set that's required to effectively run the organisation and you seek out individuals, identify them very, very carefully as being individuals who can bring the required skill set to the board table. So you're looking at individuals potentially with a financial background, uh, with a legal background, um, somebody also potentially with marketing or communications and all the different types of skill sets that really, I suppose, you know, add to the mix to, to deliver a really robust organisation. It's always good to ask questions as well if you don't have the answers because you're not the first person who's probably dealt with an issue uh, if one arises. 
Absolutely not. And I suppose that's where this um, governance handbook came or that's how it came about in that um, we had been taking a lot of queries and questions over the last number of years around what the governance structure should look like, what's best in practice, uh, questions like my board is working really well, but we have a need for X, Y and Z or my board isn't working at all. And how am I going to deal with this? Because they're getting in my way and they don't really understand what's required. And so it's about navigating that pathway. And this handbook really is a, an A to Z, a very simplified A to Z journey when it comes to setting out best practice from the outset and working through the various different um, demands that can be made of centres and hubs. So if somebody thinks they've identified themselves from what you're saying, going, that's what I do and I do need that help, how can they get their hands on the handbook? We can very easily provide a, a copy, a complimentary copy of the handbook by getting in touch with myself, um, either by email, siobhan at ceai.ie. Alternatively, if you pop onto our website, which is communityenterprise.ie, there's a dedicated section where, where you can either view the handbook or, in fact, download it. OK, Siobhan Finn, CEO of the Community Enterprise Association of Ireland, ceai.ie, if you want to have a look at that. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Super, Jonathan. Thank you. And that's it for this episode. We're taking a small break for the midterm next week, but we'll be back the week after. No luck of a break for me when it comes to Red Business in Focus, with thanks to Cork's local enterprise offices. That will be up, as always, next week with a brand new episode on redfm.ie. Fiona Corcoran was the producer, and we will catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.